to the uh, third chapter of the book of 2 Thessalonians. We need to just kind of refresh our minds as far as Paul's relationship with the church at Thessalonica. It, it's, it's, a, it's a love story. It, it's something that's uh, uh, very wonderful to our minds, how that the Apostle Paul could only be in this city for three Sabbath days, and yet such a strong bond uh, exists between the believers in Thessalonica and the Apostle Paul. He was constant in his prayers for them. And tonight we're going to see that he desired their prayers for him. And uh, this is Paul's pattern. This is Paul's way. This is Paul's desire is for God's people to develop in their maturity as Christians through a prayer life that's real, a prayer life that uh, is valuable, and uh, a prayer life that is beyond words the most needful part of any ministry. I remember well some of the older ministers that I grew up under uh, telling me in my youth, uh, Brother Jeff, you're going to learn that in order to preach to God's people, you're going to have to have your heart prepared by prayer before you'll ever be of benefit to God's people. And and I believe that, and I've known that and, and experienced it. And how wonderful it is, Brother Andy mentioned tonight, uh, the church at Grace Chapel remembering our church in prayer this whole week in their prayer meetings and in their services. And that's such an encouragement to us, isn't it? To think about someone caring enough about us to pray for us. It's interesting, you know, uh, through the years and in our church, we have times where we have uh, prayer partners and uh, and I've got one, and uh, he's very faithful in that, and and it and it encourages me to know that he's praying for me, and I hope it's a, a, a resounding um, blessing to him to know that I pray for him and Sister Vicky and their family. It, it's just encouraging when we think about the prayer walk, and that's what I want to talk to you about tonight. If God would bless us for a few minutes as we see the significance and the importance of believers' prayers. Listen to what Paul says in the first three verses of Second Thessalonians chapter 3. Finally, brethren, pray for us that the word of the Lord may have free course and be glorified, even as it is with you, and that we may be delivered from unreasonable and wicked men. Why? For all men have not faith. But the Lord is faithful, who shall establish you and keep you from evil. It's interesting to me, as the Apostle Paul is closing this epistle of encouragement to the church, that he's asking them, this is the great Apostle Paul. This is, uh, uh, apart from Jesus Christ, the greatest preacher that ever lived. 
one greatly used of God in so many arenas, not only among the Jewish people, but among the Gentile nations, and uh, someone that stood before Caesar himself and declared the gospel of the Son of God. I mean, this is the great Apostle Paul, and yet the great Apostle Paul recognized his great need for the prayers of God's people. That ought to motivate us tonight in our prayer walk. It's interesting to me that as the Apostle Paul is speaking about the opposition that faces the gospel, uh, remember he went from Thessalonica to Berea and then down to Athens, and there he was mocked, and there he was ridiculed uh, for being a Christian and being an advocate for the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. And, and you see, brothers and sisters, there's so many commonalities between the Christian message and the message of many religions. But when you come to the resurrection, Christianity is the only one that believes in the bodily resurrection. Did you know that? They're the only one. It's unique to the Christian message. And when the Apostle Paul presented that truth to the Athenians, they mocked him. They, they made fun of him. Uh, they, they, uh, they called him a seed picker. In the Greek language, when you read the word babbler, that, that, that term is actually seed picker. Um, hayseed, uh, somebody uneducated, unlearned, somebody that you'd never want to pay attention to. That's what they called Paul in Athens. Didn't take long. The Apostle Paul left Athens in Acts chapter 18. He goes into Corinth, and there he meets a lot of Greek uh, philosophy and Greek opposition. And, and one of the very few times you ever read about the Apostle Paul being fearful or being afraid, he was at Corinth. And the Lord came to him in the night and said, Paul, don't be afraid. Don't, don't be afraid. Because I have much people in this city. And I can imagine the Apostle Paul saying, Where are they at, Lord? Where are they at? We need some reinforcements over here. You ever feel that way? Sometimes we do, don't we? We, we come to our small church and we think, Oh, you know, it's, it's getting kind of tough. The enemy is uh, multiplying and it doesn't seem like we're multiplying near as quick. And the Lord speaks to us through his word and says, don't be afraid. I have much people in this city, and no man shall lay his hand upon you. And that's exactly what happened. Eighteen months he labored at Corinth, but every day he faced open opposition. And the Apostle Paul is now writing from Corinth to the church in Thessalonica, and he's saying, I'm, I'm asking for your prayers so that you would... Uh, Pray that I be delivered from unreasonable and ungodly men, which Corinth was full of, for all men have not faith. Somebody says, oh, you're wrong, Brother Jeff. Everybody's got faith. Every, everybody, you know, by nature, man has faith. He believes in this and he believes in that. And he has the capacity to believe in God. Not so. The Bible is very clear on this point, brothers and sisters. 
Saving faith is a gift from God's grace. The only way you and I can believe in Jesus Christ tonight is because of his grace toward us. And that faith is the greatest evidence of the new birth, uh, the greatest evidence that you and I belong to the king. Where there's an absence of faith, brothers and sisters, there's an absence of salvation. Now, so the Apostle Paul says, please pray. Pray for me that he deliver me from unreasonable and ungodly men, for all men have not faith. And then he puts a contrast in verse 3. He puts the contrast there, but God is faithful. You know, he's talking about the faithless. And then he says, but God is full of faith. But God is faithful. And this is what he's going to do to a people that are committed to prayer. To a people that are committed to the word of God. To a people that are committed to the church that Jesus Christ built in the earth. I'm telling you, on the authority of the scriptures, he says he's going to establish you. He's going to make you stick. He's going to make you uh, firm in the midst of the storm. He's the one that does that, brothers and sisters. And I, I believe that this is a text that belongs to our study of perseverance. He's the one that gives that to us. It's his hand that's holding our hand, not ours holding his. He holds our hand when it's too weak to hold his. Isn't that a wonderful blessing? God is faithful in his promises, according to Deuteronomy chapter 7, verse 9, and 2 Corinthians 1, verse 18. We're not going to turn there, but these are the verses that back, back up this, this call to God's faithfulness. He's faithful in his promises. He's faithful in his power. His, his, his uh, enabling power. The Apostle Paul said in Romans chapter 1, verse 16, I am not ashamed of the gospel of Jesus Christ, for it is the power of God unto salvation to everyone that believes. You see, tonight, if we believe, if we from the heart believe in Jesus Christ, it is because of that power. It is because of that enablement that the Spirit gives to us to lay hold upon it. Even as uh, Charles Spurgeon would say uh, about saving faith, he said, saving faith is to the soul what the hand is to the arm. It is with faith that we lay hold upon Jesus. I, I like that illustration. That to me says a lot. Well, the Apostle Paul is resting in that promise. He's resting in that power. And he's also resting in the protection that comes from God. Uh, Brother Nathan and I have experienced that several times in Africa together. We, we've seen God's protective hand in so many ways. Uh, we, we go into uh, regions, uh, Bungoma and, and several other places that are just, just eat, eaten up with malaria. And these mosquitoes come, you know, and they bite you and they give you malaria. Well, in all the trips we've been over there, we've never gotten malaria. Isn't that amazing? 
You know, we've seen some of those uh, mosquitoes over in Africa wear a, a, a red cross band on one, one leg because they're after blood. I'm, I'm kidding there. Jackson, I'm joking there. But, but I, I, I just trust, you know, bro, brothers and sisters, it, it, it's, it's amazing to me the power of prayer. One time, Jamie uh, Tucker and I were in the Philippines, and uh, we were preaching in a, a small villa. And they came to us, and they says, you know, there's a group of uh, Islamists. They, they didn't call them that, but they, there's a name for them. You know, they're, they're terrorists. They're the guys with the green uh, bandanas. And, and they're coming this way. They've heard you're here, and they're coming this way. They're coming through the rubber tree uh, plantation, and sure enough, we looked down into the valley and we saw them coming toward us. Well, we got on the bus. Right, right there was the bus. We got on the bus and Jamie prayed this prayer. No kidding. He said, uh, Dear Lord, make us invisible to these wicked men. And I thought, boy, that, what a prayer is that? Make us invisible to these wicked men. And those 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 men came and circled our bus and looked in the windows they were looking for us you know we're the only white guy we kind of stand out <laughs> there they're looking for us and did you know they didn't see us and i and it took me a little while to put it together but as we were leaving that dangerous place in Zamboanga del Sur where those Islamists were shooting up Catholic Church, and they, they were doing all kinds of damage to Christianity. It took me a little while, but then I thought about that little prayer that Jamie offered. Lord, make us invisible. And he did. See, the Apostle Paul is calling the church to pray to the God of promise. Pray to the God of power. Pray to the God that protects us. Now come to verse 1. Finally, brethren, as a closing remark to this letter, he calls them brethren and he means it. They're his yoke fellow brethren. I personally don't believe that the evangelist is the star of the show. I don't. Brother Nathan can back me up on this. I, t I tell you who the heroes are. The heroes are those men and women of Christ that are back home, holding up the minister in prayer, supporting them financially, supporting them in prayer, supporting their families in their absence. Those are the heroes. Paul says, finally, brethren, pray for us, not that we be highly valued, not that we be remembered, not that we gain some kind of an earthly reward for the deeds done, but here's what I want you to pray for, that the gospel would have free course. And the Greek term that is translated here, free course, means to run, that the gospel would run unhindered. It'd be unhindered. Uh, unshackled, let loose. People say, well, Brother Jeff, I'll tell you what, it's high time. It's high time we stood in defense of, of the, the, the Word of God. But, but brothers and sisters, 
I'm telling you, the Word of God is like a lion. All you need to do is let it out. Let it run. The Word of God will defend itself. And I've experienced that in many uh, venues in the past. That the Word of God may have a free course. May run without hindrance. Um, and, uh, and be glorified. Now, catch the, notice how he's specifically identifying the benefit of a prayer walk. It's something that will bring glory, not to the man, not to the institution, but to God. It glorifies God, even as it is with you. You're a good example at Thessalonica of how God is being glorified to the truth that you have been brought by grace to believe, embrace, and spread. He's, he's, he's commending them. And he's, he's reminding them not to take that for granted. Not to take for granted the church. Not to take for granted the, the use of the gospel and the hearing of the gospel as so many of us do. We're, we're, all, all of us are guilty of that. We take things for granted until it's removed from us. You know the old saying, uh, you don't miss the water till the well runs dry? Well, brothers and sisters, there are many places in our country where the well has run dry. Churches have closed. No ministers available. Brother Kevin mentioned uh, Sunday in his prayer, uh, Father, raise up pastors uh, to serve the churches because there's, a, there's, an, uh, there, there's an absence of that in our generation. And brothers and sisters, I believe it's our fault. I don't think we're praying like we ought to pray for God to raise up servants. Jesus said, pray to the Lord of the harvest. Why? Because the harvest is ready. The fields are white, but the labors are what? They're few. Pray ye therefore that the Lord of the, Lord of the harvest would send labors into the vineyard. See, we need to pray that. We need to have more consciousness of that. Brother Andy reminds us often that we need to pray for the unconverted. We need to pray for people to come to saving faith in Christ and, and, and enter into the kingdom. Not just to sit on our hands and do nothing, but come into the kingdom and bring the gift that God has given you to use for the benefit of the kingdom, you see. See, we're guilty of not praying that way. But the Apostle Paul is calling us to that. He's calling the church at Thessalonica not to take for granted the benefit of the gospel, the benefit of the church that is among them. And don't become so self-satisfied and self uh, self-serving that you forget that the reason he has planted the church in this place is to shine forth the truth of the gospel of Christ. To benefit other of God's people that need to hear the good news. And brothers and sisters, there's a lot of folks out here that need to hear the good news. That salvation is not based on merit or works. It's based on the sovereign grace of a sovereign God who sent His only begotten Son into the earth to rescue the worst of sinners. They need to hear that. And Paul's saying it begins with prayer. You can tell a lot about a church by their prayer meetings. 
what they're asking for. What are we asking for tonight? I want you to turn with me to Romans chapter 15. Romans chapter 15. Let's see how consistent the Apostle Paul is in this call to a prayer walk in Romans chapter 15. I want you to notice this, brothers and sisters, in uh, beginning with verse 29. And I am sure that when I come unto you, I shall come in the fullness of the blessing of the gospel of Christ. Now I beseech you, brethren, for the Lord Jesus Christ's sake, not my sake, but for Jesus' sake, that, uh, and for the love of the Spirit, that you strive together with me in your prayers for, uh, to God for me. I want you to underline that word strive. Brothers and sisters, the word strive there is agonizo. Agonizo. And it, from which we get the word agony. Agonizing. We are agonizing. We're wrestling in our spirit while we're praying for God to send revival. For God to bless the gospel. For God to raise up servants in His kingdom. We have too many kingpins. We need servants in the kingdom. We need people that are more concerned about the glory of Christ than they are the glory of their reputation. That's what we need. We don't need politicians leading our churches. We need spirit-filled men of God who love God's word and love God's people enough to teach them the truth. And sometimes that's very inconvenient. And sometimes that's very difficult. But the man of God, brothers and sisters, the true man of God, will rise to the challenge. What are we praying for? Paul says, I want you to agonize, not just mention it every once in a while. I want you to strive together, together with me in your prayers to God for me. That Verse 31, that I may be delivered from them that do not believe in Judea. Now that's the Jewish people the Jewish elite and that my service which I have for Jerusalem may be accepted of the saints now what's he referring to he's referring to this love offering that that, uh, has been taken up among Gentile churches to help the suffering church at Jerusalem to help the sister church to help those being persecuted and the heat of the persecution was the most intense in Jerusalem. Because remember uh, the book of Acts and all of the opposition that the ministry uh, faced from the same Jews that crucified Christ. They stood, Peter stood before Caiaphas. Remember Caiaphas? Caiaphas, the high priest, was the one that denounced Christ, rent his clothes, and says, What further need of we of witnesses? Uh, He's guilty of blasphemy. And they carried him to Pilate. It was Caiaphas. It was Caiaphas that said to Peter and John, Don't you ever preach in this name again. And gave him a whooping to boot. See, these were the very... These were the very men that were responsible for carrying Jesus 
to Pilate to be crucified. And yet Peter and John and the other apostles and the early Christians in Jerusalem stood firm in their faith. And, and they would not deny that Jesus Christ had risen from the dead. And they would not deny that they were his followers. And as a result, they, they would lose jobs. They would lose popularity. They would lose security. They would lose property. They were suffering. And when that reached the ears of the apostle Paul... He went to the churches and says, listen, these Jewish brethren, this is where it all started. This, this is where the good news of the gospel actually began in Jerusalem. And we are debtors to them. They have ministered unto us spiritual things. Therefore, we are debtors to minister to them of our natural blessings. And the Apostle Paul took up that collection. And by the way... Paul's hands never touched it. I want you to study this to see if this is so. Paul's hands never touched those offerings. He told the churches to appoint faithful men to oversee these love offerings. You know why? Because Paul wasn't asking for money for himself. He wasn't, try he wasn't trying to make merchandise of the church. He wasn't. He wasn't trying to uh, pad his own pocket. He wanted other men, and I believe like deacons, faithful men, to discharge the, the church funds. You see, I, I believe that's so critical for accountability. So that no one could say, well, Paul did this for his own ministry. Paul never did. He said, I want you to appoint uh, two faithful men to oversee this offering. And they would go with him to Jerusalem to deliver it. Transparency, accountability, and purity of motive. That, that's a great example. And the Apostle Paul is calling uh, the, the, the church, the Christian community, to a prayer walk that would facilitate those kind of ministries, those kind of efforts. And I, I really believe it's important. And, uh, you know, I, I, I'm so thankful for our deacon and the good job he does with our church finances. Perfect confidence. I guarantee you what he tells you is true and accurate, without a doubt. But, brothers and sisters, our churches need to be praying for men like Brother Kevin. We, we need to be praying for faithful men to be brought into the assembly in order to help the ministry of the gospel in an effective, accountable, and transparent way. The Apostle Paul is calling us to a prayer walk. It's not a, a pastime. It's something that we need to be devoted to. Turn with me to Ephesians chapter 6. You all know where I'm going with this. In Ephesians chapter 6, my grandson here tonight knows this chapter and knows something about the weapons of our warfare and the armor of God. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Well, we talk about it. We talk uh, uh, about the spiritual applications of this armament, but I don't want you to miss verse 18. What holds all of this weaponry together? 
brothers and sisters. Verse 18, praying always with all prayer and supplication in the Spirit, watching thereunto with all perseverance and supplication for all saints. And what most of all, Paul, verse 19, and for me, that utterance may be given unto me that I may open my mouth boldly. You see it? That I may open my mouth boldly to make known what? My reputation, my reward, my success. No. To make known the mystery of the gospel for which I am an ambassador in bonds, that therein I may speak boldly as I ought to speak. As I ought to speak. You see, uh, the word ought there means obligated. I have an obligation uh, to my Savior. I have an obligation to the church. I have, I have a, a, an obligation uh, through the grace of God to minister the truth even when it's inconvenient. Even when there might be those that would oppose. There might be those that don't embrace it. Does that mean that I'm not to speak the truth just because? I, I know uh, I had an interesting conversation in Coweta. Uh, there's a Sovereign Grace Church there, lovely people of God there. <laughs> and one of the men came to me and shook my hand after the service. And he says, you know what, Brother Jeff? I, I, I don't think you're afraid to preach on the doctrines of grace. I said, thank you for that compliment. <laughs> and he began to tell me that his previous pastor had come to the place where he saw the doctrines of grace as divisive. And he would never preach on the doctrines of grace. Well, see, I believe he sold out. That's a coward. Brothers and sisters, I want a prayer walk like the Apostle Paul. I, I want a prayer walk like the Church of the Living God, where we are recognized as ambassadors of Christ. We're not here under our own authority, we're not here. Uh, under our own uh, 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 calling. We're here as ambassadors representing the government of heaven. And in order to be faithful in that, I've got to be willing to preach the truth even when it isn't believed by everybody in the congregation. You follow me? That's what Paul is giving us a tremendous example of. That's the kind of prayer walk we need. Whether it's in school, whether it's at work. Whether it's on the street, whether it's in the lumberyard, wherever God has in His providence brought you, brothers and sisters, you need to be praying as an ambassador of Jesus Christ. Hmm. Turn to Colossians chapter 4, verses 2 and 3. Colossians chapter 4. You see, the Apostle Paul's writings are just full of this kind of zeal this kind of commitment listen to what he's saying brothers and sisters please hear what god is saying in his word to us tonight he says in verses two and three continue in prayer and watch in the same with thanksgiving with all praying also for us that god would open unto us a door of utterance to speak the mystery of Christ, for which I am also in bonds, 
that I may make it manifest or make it known as I ought to speak. You see, the Apostle Paul is acknowledging time and time and time again that this prayer walk is so valuable. This prayer walk is so necessary. This prayer walk is so essential to the growth and the spreading of the truth of the gospel. Apart from it, there's nothing but darkness. And if you'll allow me to use the word futility. Futile. It's, fu- it's futile to try to preach without prayer. It's futile to try to receive a message of the gospel without a prayerful heart. It's, it's, fu- it's an exercise in futility. But the Apostle Paul says, I want you to continue in it. Now, I'm going to bring this point to bear. See, he's not just talking about praying when we're assembled with the church. You know, some people are convinced of that. Some people are actually convinced that the only time they ought to be praying is when they come to the house of God. Because the house of God is the house of prayer. So, that means that uh, uh, when I go to the house of God, I'm supposed to be praying. Some people wait to read their Bible until they get to the house of God. Um, You know, that's the only time... The only time they're interested in reading it. Well, see, brothers and sisters, that's not the kind of environment that God is going to bless, that God is going to honor, that God is going to expand. Why would He? Why would He expand a dead religion? Why would He? Why would He commit to our trust seeking souls if we're not seeking, if we're not? Bearing witness to the truth of Christ. He won't entrust them to us. We need to be prayer warriors. We need to be walking in prayer. He says continue in prayer and watch. I love that word watch. It literally means to be alert. You know, I, I kind of feel sorry. I know how hard Brother Kevin works, and he's, he made mention. He says, well, you know, it's been a long day. <laughs> well, Wednesday nights are that way, you know, because we've all worked, and we've all been busy, and, and boy, you know, it, it, it's tough. But, oh, how I respect the people that are willing to go through the battle to get here, especially on a Wednesday night. I relate. I completely relate to that. But you know something? I've never been to the house of God. That I didn't leave with a joy that I didn't have before I got there. I never have. And brothers and sisters, I just believe that's because of God's faithfulness. It's not us. It's Him. You see, He puts up with us. Somebody says, well, God needs you, sinner. God needs you to do this and that. No, sir. The sinner needs God. We need God in our midst. But brothers and sisters, He's not going to show up. He's not going to be here if we're not praying for His presence and praying for His power and praying for His provision and His promises to be unveiled. So Paul says, continue and watch in prayer. I want you to be prayer warriors in the house of the living God. There are several more verses I could go to, but let me close. Go back to 2 Thessalonians 3. 
Now maybe we understand a little bit better why Paul would write, Finally, brethren, pray for us that the word of the Lord may have free course and be glorified even as it is with you. Now, I want you to notice the is. You know, it's, a, it's not the big words that give me trouble. A lot of times it's those little bitty ones. Is. Is being in you. He didn't say that once was, it's done, and it's over with. Is is a condition, a condition continuing. So the Apostle Paul is looking back at the church at Thessalonica, and he said, you know that grace that was bestowed upon you in the beginning of the gospel among you? That grace is still being lived out. That, that grace is still being manifested. That, that power and that provision and that promise is still being maintained among you. And I can rejoice with you that it is still among you. And brothers and sisters, that's what my prayer is tonight for our, our church, for Providence. That God would enable us to be prayer warriors, faithful in prayer, and that we would be diligent, that we would be alert, that we would be awakened, that we would be faithful in what He has called us to. Because I believe with all my heart that the closer we draw nigh to the Lord, the closer He'll draw nigh to us. So let me encourage us tonight toward the prayer walk. God bless you.